Blog Talk Radio. President recognizes Mr. Adams of Massachusetts. Objects of the most stupendous magnitude. Measures which will affect the lives of millions, born and unborn, are now before us. We must expect a great expense of blood to obtain them. But we must always remember that a free constitution of civil government cannot be purchased at too dear a rate, as there is nothing on this side of Jerusalem of greater importance to mankind. My worthy colleague from Pennsylvania spoken with great ingenuity and eloquence. He has given you a grim prognostication of our national future, but where he foresees apocalypse, I see hope. I see a new nation ready to take its place in the world. Not an empire, but a republic. And a republic of laws, not men. Gentlemen, we are in the very midst of revolution. The most complete, unexpected, and remarkable of any in the history of the world. How few of the human race have ever had an opportunity of choosing a system of government for themselves and the children. I am not without apprehensions, gentlemen. But the end we have in sight is more than worth all the means. I believe, sirs, that the hour has come. My judgment approves this measure, and my whole heart is in it. All that I have, all that I am, and all that I hope in this life, I am now ready to stake upon it. While I live, let me have a country. A free country. everybody how you doing tonight it's joseph gibson here we're podcasting live understanding the times in which we live today i hope everybody's doing all right out there um if you missed last night's podcast show um uh excuse me it was two nights ago uh we did a very powerful podcast with uh a lot of people that were listening also i got tons of emails from uh members of the military um uh, down there in fort hood uh especially the guys that listen in from fort hood uh down there in texas uh want to give them a shout out uh thank you for participating and listening in the podcast and uh thank you for the kind emails that we uh receive here from you guys uh thank you for your service as always uh, god bless you guys and uh you know um 
right now we're we're at a time now in this country where we're so divided and we're so much where we're it's along party lines and we're we're divided amongst the party line party excuse me we're divided amongst party lines where excuse me that's my other studio line ringing <laughs> live internet radio you can't beat it we're we're divided amongst party lines republican and democrat and we have this division amongst us that where we can't communicate with each other or talk with each other and it strictly votes along party lines and I believe, and I've always promoted throughout the years, that we have to come together, compromise together, and work together. If on a local level, national level, what have you, it doesn't matter. We have to work together and understand each other and listen to each other. And throughout the past 10 years, 15 years, we've seen it, just the the gridlock. I remember the election with uh, Ross Perot. And I remember he was a business guy, and I remember all the votes he had got. I was a Ross Perot fan back in the day. And he pointed this out uh, so wholeheartedly about the division in Washington. He's passed away since now, uh, God rest his soul. But I remember he made a, a political impact on my life because of how he discussed the economy and what was really important to the American people. And really it's about jobs, security, and, and, and faith in what the American people believe and what we believe and what we're about. And that could be a national level or a local level. And every community across America today, we have this, this unique faith, and we all, we're all divided now beyond, it's, it's, it's beyond comprehension or apprehension of what I just played in the beginning here. That was uh, John Adams, actually. You know, and we we can't talk with each other anymore. We can't we can't discuss issues with each other without getting into arguments or without being angry with each other. And that's a shame because that's not what America was about when it was formed. When our republic was formed, the founding fathers saw a vision of what was good for all people. Now we know we had our problems. We had slavery. We know the the, the the, the sins of the past of, of what we had and, and the times in which we lived back then. But the founders saw a future where we would overcome that, and we have in tremendous, tremendous ways throughout the years. Not without blood, not without violence, not without a lot of, lot of division amongst ourselves and our republic. But we've lost our way in America, it seems like today. And it just doesn't, it just doesn't feel this, like the same country that... I grew up in, or I know a lot of you grew up in, and the reason why I'm talking about this this way is because I there was several emails that I've gotten from soldiers, and a, and a lot of them are my friends, and uh, they once one sent an email, and he you know he doesn't know why he's serving right now. Been in the military for 15 years, and he does, he's like I I just don't believe in what I'm doing anymore. That's what he said to me. I don't believe in it. You know, he just doesn't believe. He doesn't have any faith. Is it because of this current administration? I believe it's because of the current division we have. That's why it's up to us to broaden our scopes of and our horizon of belief and understanding and reach out to the other side, whatever side you may be on, and not pick sides anymore and start discussing the issues and understanding the times in which we live today. Otherwise, we're only participating in the same thing that we are actually fighting against. 
and you'll realize it's like deja vu. We're, 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 we're only destroying ourselves from within. We have to compromise, and we have to work together. I understand there's no deals with the devil. I get that. I'm all for that. Yeah, I understand that. We can't side with evil. But all of us in America today are not inherently evil. We, we all want what's best for our country. We all, we all want what's best for our community, surely. And those who that don't know, there are a lot of lost, lost souls in society. We know that. You're always going to have that element out there. That's just the human race. That's the way it is. But in America itself, America has that founding document called the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. And we have that foundation and what we were built upon and what we started upon, which is good which is for life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness for all men and women. And especially for our children. What are we leaving our children today? There's not one of us out there today that can claim to be perfect or is perfect. That's a fact. But we can always strive to be better and try to be better and act differently and try to change for what's good and what's for better. Not for me and not for maybe ourselves, but for the next person, or for our children, and for the future. And that's what we're always working and striving for, right? The future, tomorrow. We want a better tomorrow. That's why we go to work. That's why we do the things we do, because we're wanting a better tomorrow. We're looking for a better tomorrow. We're, we're working, whether you have to pay bills, whether you're, you're, you're sick, whether, whatever, what have you, whatever the reason is that you're, you are out there today waking up tomorrow to work for and strive for, is so is is what really we're analyzing here. So tonight I invited on. I reached out to um, a, a candidate. He's uh, running for North Carolina House of Representatives, and actually I ra- I actually ran for North Carolina House of Representatives, same district actually. Uh, in the primary, I lost, came in second place, but that's all right. You know, I, that's okay. You know, the voters had to stay what they had to stay. That's fine. There's always tomorrow, but um, this this man. Uh, is uh, he's actually a part of another party, but I invited him on because I want to have a discussion with him. And he accepted my uh, invitation uh, graciously. Uh, we exchanged some kind emails, and I'm going to let him come on, introduce himself, and uh, talk about his vision for America and our county, and what he sees, and what and what he expects, and what type of job he's going to do when elected to uh, the House, or or what have you, whatever the future may hold. He was um, he was actually the mayor for the city of Reesville, ran successfully three times. Um, I I don't know him too well. I've read a lot about him. Um, I've never met him personally. I, I don't think I have, but uh, I'm going to here. I'm going to open up his phone line. I believe he's on the phone line now. I'm going to unmute his mic and uh, let him introduce himself. And uh, we're going to have a very interesting conversation, and uh, it's going to be a a platform here where nobody's going to attack each other. We're just going to have a conversation and talk about the issues and, talk, and let him lay out his vision and what he sees and what type of job he can do if he's elected uh, to the North Carolina House of Representatives as a, as a local lawmaker and what he sees for uh, in the vision for the future. And hopefully we'll have a good conversation here. I think we will. And uh, I'm going to open up this phone line right now. Uh, I believe I've got him on the line right here. I've got about two dozen numbers here, but I think this is him right here because I've got a, I'm a national show, so I 
This is my only – actually, i got three local numbers. Hopefully, let's see. 336, last four, last digit, 27. Is this Jay? Mr. Donnick? 6027. That is correct, Joe. It's Jay Donnick. <laughs> All right. Well, welcome to the podcast here. And um, uh, you heard my intro. I want you to introduce yourself, and I'm going to let it, we'll go, let it flow like that and uh, go from there. How's that? Uh, that's perfect. Okay, I, I'm Jay Doniker. I've been a veterinarian for 42 years, but at the same time, I also was mayor for the city of Reedsville for 16 of the last 24 years. I've been in private business uh, the whole time, both as a private practitioner, taking care of horses and cattle out in the rural part, but then I was recruited by Pfizer to work on some of their development projects for 12 years, and then the last seven years, I've been with a startup company that they had an idea and they needed somebody who could do the right studies to get past the F- FDA and bring it out to the market. So I did that, and I just retired from that project oh, the end of June. So with my ending of being the mayor of Reedsville, this, um, it was two terms each time because I believe in term limits. And after my second term, this second go-round, I didn't run, and so I figured I needed to do something now that I'm retired. And I just want to help kind of not be part of the problem of having such a political divide. Our country was built on collaboration, cooperation. We weren't built on a precept that it's one one way or the highway. And that basically I've always been able to get ahead by getting people to work together in a very pragmatic fashion, um, finding common ground, and then move 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 from what everybody agrees on. And I can give you a perfect example that we haven't done at the uh, general legislature in Raleigh. Twelve years ago, we had um, our leadership there was very concerned about Medicaid expansion, that they couldn't afford it, that the federal government would walk away from the deal and leave North Carolina holding the bag. Well, in those situations, you arrive at a, a no- negotiated contract and you use what is called that a called a clawback provision. I did, I, we had a clawback provision in the water deal that I negotiated for the city with the city of Greensboro. It's very easily done. And basically it says that if one person stops upholding their end of the bargain, the other one's released from any obligations they have. So rather than thinking about how we can address the concern of not trusting our federal government, we just said we're not going to play. So here we are 12 years later, and our health uh, metrics are going down, uh, especially with the uh, elderly, but also with the um, those that are employed by small businesses that can't provide medical benefits. We're a county that has two hospitals in which they spend between eight and nine million dollars per year taking care of people who they are not compensated for. And so we're a population here of many people. We all pay our federal income tax, which is now being used to help expand Medicaid in Virginia, um, but we don't have it here in North Carolina. We have two hospitals, one of which had to declare bankruptcy a few years ago and get reorganized, and we're paying the price of not expanding our Medicaid by unfilled positions in both hospitals because they can't afford to offer the compensation that other hospitals in other states are offering. We're paying the price by having increased insurance premiums for people who live in Rockingham County. We're paying the price, and any time you have to get involved with our hospital, you're talking about four to six hours of wait. So 
this is where our politicians should have kind of walked away from, oh, I'm this party, therefore I am not going to deal with that party, and instead say, okay, here's my reservations, what are your reservations, and let's meet in the middle somewhere. And hopefully that's going to happen this next year. Hopefully if I get elected, I'll certainly be one that will deal with whoever it takes so that we do have a Medicaid expansion that will address our needs in our county, but also one that we can live with financially as well as uh, philosophically. Uh, Mr. Dunnack, let me let me ask you a question. I've had several people here who are listening now from Rockingham County, actually, and they they are uh, nurses, actually, and uh, they they're they're troubled by what's going on now with the the uh, the division in in the state legislature and and uh, what's going on. You said Medicaid expansion and whatnot, and I was asked that question actually by uh, Bill O'Neill when I was running in the primary. He said, "How do you wh- what's your position on uh, Medicaid expansion? You know, wh- how do you feel about that? What what, what what's your so what do you um, foresee as far as Medicaid goes or expansion of Medicaid in uh, the state of North Carolina? And can you rally your fellow Democrats or even Republicans uh, together so that we can, you know?" Like you just said, address the problems that we're having in North Carolina, and you just said uh, one hospital uh, declared bankruptcy. You know how how do we fix this? And do you have any ideas or solutions off the top of your head, not with getting in you know your entire plan or what you see or what's your vision on, on how you can rally people together in the party in both parties to cross party lines and see it your way? Well, I, I think the first step would be if I would be elected as a representative from the same county where our Senate pro tem is based, Phil Berger, who's in the Senate, who has come out recently as being going to consider Medicaid expansion, I think that would send a very large message that, okay, we've got Phil Berger here, the Senate pro tem leader, saying, okay, we need to look at this hard. Now we need somebody in the legislature from Rockingham County too and say, yes, we need to do this in our legislature. Um, Right now in our house, they're saying, oh, we'll study it. Well, I've seen and I've read enough of the uh, Charlie Brown cartoons with Lucy and the football <laughs> that that doesn't cut the mustard. That's we, right. Basically, we need to do this. Now, there are a number of models out there in different states about how Medicaid was expanded. Rather than us try to reinvent the wheel, we need to look at the state that matches or is close to North Carolina's demographics and its, uh, and its budget, and see what has worked for states of that size. And then we should just implement it. We don't need to reinvent it. We don't need to say, well, we got to do this for that. Let's just put it out there that we need Medicaid expansion, and I'm sure there is a model in another state that would fit what we're doing here in, in North Carolina. That that that's a, that's an awesome response uh, to my question actually, and and but do you see? I mean, you've been you were the mayor of Reesville, so you ran three successful terms as mayor. Uh, I actually, was four. oh four. Okay, I'm sorry. I was going by your Lincoln no, page there. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> oh, sorry about that. But that's okay. Um, 
you know, obviously you you did good, great things for uh, Reedsville. But before I get back to that, uh, I want to just say this: you did great things for Reedsville as mayor. I I, I saw that myself. And, and look, I've run ran as a Republican, but like I said in my intro, I'm always willing to talk to. I just seem like I've more friends lately with the Democrats out there because I hear what they have to say and I understand their concerns. Now, we don't have to get into a conversation of what the national spectrum and the, the Trump versus this right. and that. We don't, we don't need to get into that. But locally, I just feel like that, that the, the Democrats in uh, Rockingham County, they are more in tune with a lot of what the Republicans have to say. And the Republicans are too, but I feel the Republicans who has going to their meetings, and I'm going to say this openly right now, they're not open to to, to, to Reaching that hand across the aisle, I've seen that at the meetings, and it's like we have to because we have to work together. And and you, as being the mayor of Reedsville, uh, for when you were, you did great things for Reedsville. You were uh, a great mayor, I thought. What was your greatest accomplishment as mayor? You think uh, if you or, or can you give me a couple of them, maybe? Okay, um, the first one was uh, I throw right up there is negotiating the water deal with Greensboro 20 years ago so that we have netted $1 million of income um, every year during that 20 years. And we revisit the contract every five years. The reason that's so large is one, a city our size having a million dollars each year is huge. Also, it was negotiated because many people said, oh, no, 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 we can't do them. They're a bigger entity. Judges will always side with them if they want to take all our water out of Lake Reedsville. Um, we negotiated a deal that we actually had a provision in it that says that if it gets to a certain level in the lake, tap gets turned off. We're the only community at that time that was able to negotiate that. That's where I listened to the citizens who came out one night and said, oh, gosh, we can't do this. Uh, we're going to get taken advantage of. Uh, Doc, don't do it. Don't do it. And I, I basically, with a couple other members of council, said, look, we have a contractual position that will stand up in court. Give us one chance, and here we are. So that's number one. Number two okay. is we had, we had the most unsafe um, public housing. We were actually number two in the state behind uh, public housing in Durham for safety. Uh, and I basically worked with a number of law enforcement agencies as well as a number of um, – nonprofits so that we actually got rid of the people who should not be there, kept the people who should, in a very kind way, renovated the place around the people who were supposed to still be there so they weren't kicked out while we renovated the whole place. It's now called Marcellus Place. And it took a lot of maneuvering to get the law enforcement community on board. They knew it was a public safety issue. But we didn't ask the public the public safety people to do the social, uh, what I call the social side of it. Um, we used, uh, well, it was Project Homestead that came in and in a very empathetic fashion was able to move people out of apartments that were just atrocious into ones that were semi-atrocious so we could fix up the first one so that he could move back in. Um, but again, uh, that, that's, that's the second one. Third one is um, we have a regional senior center here. And that was negotiated with the Department of Agriculture, with our county um, managers, um, our county manager, and um, also the uh, Department of um, uh, Department of Commerce, because it was very important to have a regional senior center here. So that, and then wow. I guess the fourth one is 
we did a second industrial park because with American leaving, they took a lot of jobs and a lot of tax base. So 20 years ago, we recruited an Israeli company to come here, um, and they've been here ever since. And since then, we now have a Japanese company, an Italian company, an Australian company, and, of wow. course, uh, the United wow. States. Yeah, I didn't even but know that. I, had wow. to work. I, didn't do this, I didn't do this myself. I had to negotiate with uh, primarily Republican-led county commissioners, the Department of Commerce at, with Governor McCrory, who was Republican, and then we had an administration that was Democrat. And we worked with whomever because it wasn't about a party scoring points. It was about let's just get the job done. What do we have to do? Because with American leaving, they took 25% of our tax base, and a lot of high-paying jobs went with them, and we had to replace them. So it, I like what you just said fun. right there. Yeah, that, that's awesome what you just said, and that's why I, I like you so much is because you're able to talk and reach across party lines. And, and, and it, really, the two parties, are, you know, I feel they're both broken nationally. Well, like I said, I don't want to get into the national thing except for one subject. I know you just did a recent uh, town hall meeting, the fentanyl crisis in uh, oh, Rockingham County and across the country. Tell me something. What, 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 just go ahead. I'll let you, I'm not even going to ask a specific question because it's so loaded. Just talk about that real quick. Well, Rockingham County is one of the 10 worst affected counties in the whole state of North Carolina based on per capita. We have a real issue here. But it sounds like you and I are from the same generation. We had a quaalude problem many years ago, and that was only nipped in the bud when we stopped the production of the product so that it was only prescribed appropriately. So what that does that mean for us here with fentanyl? Number one, we got to make sure that there's no more Chinese-made fentanyl coming in. I don't care how it has to be done, but we got to stop it coming in. Number two, we and the physicians have got to stop prescribing um, some of these opioids post-surgically, thinking that people aren't going to get hooked on it. And number three, Amen. the company, the company that has made it in the United States that has made billions they have got to uh, pay the piper for all this damage that they've helped uh, facilitate by marketing their product, in, in my opinion, in a very misleading way. Okay. Well, uh, let me just throw this one at you. And, and uh, I see a, a sure. lot, so many people on the phone line here, and I appreciate your, uh, everyone calling in and sending me the emails <laughs> that you're sending me. Um, what about the border? Now, you know, a lot of people are saying, well, you've got to close the border. You know, you've got to close the border. You know, I mean, what, real quick, if you don't mind, what, what, what's your stance on that, the border? Because a lot of – they're concerned about it, and, and a lot of people in Rockingham County are. They, they consider the border uh, a very um, important issue, and you know a lot of Republicans, they campaign on that. You know Sam Page in our county campaigns on that. He's been down there several times. Um, what's your stance on that, this border crisis and what's going on? Well – as you know, I'm running for Raleigh. We don't control the border in the South. However, what we can do, we need to have a database of active Social Security numbers so that anybody that hires anybody, they ask for their Social Security number, and they go to the database and make sure it's legitimate. And it might have to maybe be accompanied with their, a photo of their um, driver's license that has a photo ID. But every business person needs to have the opportunity to know that that person standing in front that wants a job truly has a social security number that indicates they're a citizen. 
If they don't, do not hire them. What's happening is there are too many people who are willing to pay people under the table with cash who these many immigrants coming across are saying, hey, I just have to find somebody that will pay me in cash and I'm good to go. And to me, we have too many people in the United States that need to be um, paid and hired. And uh, like, for instance, if if you have a painting contractor, I've heard of a number of painting contractors that are able to get contracts because they undercut legitimate painters who have American citizens painting for them. And that business that is paying under the table for people who aren't citizens of the United States, they're the ones that should be identified as not doing the patriotic thing of hiring Americans, pure and simple. Wow. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome what you just said I right there. I'm, I myself landscaping, landscaping business. You talked about that they oh, undercut okay. them, and it's like with the landscaping. I, I, I and no offense. Look, the Mexican brothers and sisters that come over legally, that's fine. But they come over here and they okay. they can undercut anything I do. You know, if they're working under the table, you know. That's exactly right. There is a, a farm, Flint Rock Farm, that is having that have had uh, Mexicans work at her farm for over. 25 years, and it's all through the government system, so it's all legitimate. It's above board. She pays them well. They send it home like they should. And that's we, we need the small business people to trust our system to where they provide the Social Security number, and then they're told that that's an active number, and with somebody's driver's license that has a picture, that's the person. I, I, I mean, in this day of electronic age, there's got to be a way that we should make it easy for any business person to double check that the person that says this is their social security number really is. Yeah, yeah, no, you're absolutely correct. And it's interesting you brought up Flint Rock Farm. I actually just sold my property actually right across the street from Flint Rock Farm over there. So, and I knew the uh, <laughs> the Bratchers and uh, whatnot. I remember down here yeah. in 1988 when I moved down here. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, for those of you national audience that are listening, I know you don't know what I'm talking about, but <laughs> Mr. Dunacker <laughs> does know what I'm talking about. <laughs> so, um, yeah. yeah, I've. Uh, it's changed so much, Rockingham County, and that's where I'm going to come up with now, where something that I'm very concerned about in Rockingham County that I'm going to let you know right now that as, as since you're running for NC House, that concerns a lot of residents that where I am uh, boots on the ground here in this, this area um, that's concerning a lot of people is they're tearing down the woods and, and, and the land development here everywhere on Rockingham County in my area where I live. And over by, actually over by that area of 158, and the wildlife, there's no place for the wildlife to go. The traffic um, up and down the 158 area is becoming congested, and people are becoming frustrated because a lot of people have located here or who have grown up here, who have been born here throughout the years, are becoming frustrated. And they're like, we don't like this. What's going on with that? I mean, uh, or is it some? Or what you? What's your stance? I, and, and perfectly fine if you see that the development should happen and it's better for Rockingham County. That's fine if you want to say that. But to the people out there that are listening, they're they're they want to know what's going on. They don't. A lot of people don't like it. I'm just going to be honest with you. They just don't. So what can you say? Uh, in a nutshell, I don't like uncontrolled growth. I work for. 14 years running the roads, taking care of horses and cattle all throughout the county. We have a rural, my word, ambiance that is unique, and we're losing it, just like you described. 
We're losing it because we're allowing developments to occur too far away from the cities that have the infrastructure. Rockingham County has clay soil, and that causes anybody building a house to have to have a significant amount of ground so the water will perk so they can have their septic system. We should not facilitate unnecessary growth by putting water lines in or sewer lines. They should be, if somebody wants to have city amenities, they need to be closer to the city. We have a problem with some developments occurring here in which they have these packaged sewage plants. So it allows them to kind of have a city uh, look and feel, but in actual fact, that package plant is not going to successfully handle the sewage for an extended period of time. Plus, their property values is going, to, is going to make the farmer's property value go up in time. So what do the farmers have to do? They've got to harvest the wood to help pay their property taxes. They have to sell a little piece of their property, to again, to kind of make sure they have a cash flow um, for their farm because these farms were built around having a tobacco allotment um, you know, before that was taken away 20 years yes. ago. So we need to determine a way that farmers can continue to grow soybeans and have cow-calf operations that are relatively small compared to ones in the Midwest and the West, in which somehow they either there's – a, there's a program that allows 10 to 15-acre tracks where they put in solar panels in a back part of the a farm – so that they can provide the electricity through the panels and have a source of income, but which the rest of the farm then can continue to being a farm. Um, that's different than what we see here in Rockham County where 100, 150 acres are, are bought, they're leveled, and then you have these 100 to 150-acre solar farms. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying uh, an acreage of 20 to 25 acres, much like the tobacco allotment was, but which the company leases the land and the farmer is able to have an income stream that allows them to continue to farm soybeans, cow-calf operations, strawberries, um, the things that grow well here. That is something that I think we need to look real hard at. But it starts with our county commissioners that when it comes to planning and zoning, that if somebody wants to live with city amenities, they actually need to be closer to the city or be willing to handle it completely themselves. So if somebody wants to buy 20 acres and have their own septic field and maintain it themselves, more power to them. But putting right. in these housing developments, like you described, um, they really need to be closer to the city. I agree. I agree 100%, and I'm, and I'm quite frankly worried. Um, over here at the uh, Fiddle Road, Red Oak Drive area, off 220, where they just built those two, uh, one of them, oh, I think yes. it's the plant. Yeah. You know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, you know they, they've got it all zoned out, and they're 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 already begun off of 65 there, the uh, tearing down the woods. And I I was actually driving with one of my employees actually, and we were going down 158. We drove by the old tobacco uh, outlet there on 158 and Church uh, Church Street extension, and they got all the woods there torn torn down. Then we went up 65 and. Right near my area here, off 65, they, they're tearing it down. And now by the highway, 220, they're talking about building an entrance from 220, and they're tearing down. They already got it zoned off and marked off, and they're going to tear down all the wooded areas here. And just uh, about a month and a half ago, we got two black bears. One got run over. 
uh, and then another one, they got it on, say, social media, black bear running across 220, you know, and that's what we're worried about, all the wildlife, no place to go. Our, our area here is just our natural landscape is being destroyed, and they're talking about building apartments here. We don't want apartments, you know, and, and I'm, ta- I'm talking there. right now, i got 75 residents here that are listening right now in this area that are like, hey, we don't like this, you know, <laughs> we don't want this. What can we do to stop this or, or you know, or go through the proper channels to say, hey, because, you know, public hearings were saying, they, they said we called the county, or they said they're calling the county, and the hearings were conducted, but the no notices were put up. As you being a representative or potential uh, elected representative of our county, is this something you want to see continue, or are you going to stop, try to stop this or look into this? Well, I'm, I'm going to have to say this. Number one, I don't like seeing it to continue. Number two, though, I don't believe the answer is in Raleigh. I don't want Raleigh ever to come and tell Rockingham County what they need to do with their land. What needs to happen is to work through our county government and the planning and zoning. Um, get, If I'm not mistaken, there might actually be a vacancy on our planning and zoning for the county. And we need people on the planning and zoning that will vote against this. I'm all, don't get me wrong, I'm all for attracting industry. I mean, I did that in Reedsville, you know, for 16 out of the last 24 years. Yes, you did. But it it needs to be in the proper spot. It needs to be where water and sewer is easily accessible. And and that, that city stuff, what is happening on the western side, I think is terrible because they're running a water line down. Well, next thing you know, there's going to be a sewer line coming down. The minute there's a sewer line, now all of a sudden you're going to be able to subdivide all the property along there because perking isn't going to be an issue because you'll be able to hook up to the sewer line. Um, that One of the ways that they could address it is if the, if the town of Madison or I think the Madison's the one who's providing water, maybe Manon, I'm not sure which, um, if they would require any entity that wants to use their water sewer asked to be annexed into their city so that that individual is not just paying county taxes for this, um, for this infrastructure, they're also paying the city uh, that's providing it. That's what we require here in Reedsville. And we've lost some businesses um, because they said, oh, you're going to make us pay county and city? And it's kind of like, no offense, you get what you pay for. Um, yeah, there's yeah. a water line that goes out 158 that we were told, oh, if we put the water line here, if they build it, they'll come. Yeah, and look what we have there. And the funny thing is um, they still aren't using as much water as what that water line was built for because if yeah. you go on Church Street across 158, there's a fire hydrant that periodically you're going to see water just spewing out of it. And in the spewing out of it because there's not enough water being used along the pipe and it's becoming stagnant. Um, so the bottom line is, short answer is, one, I don't like it going on. Two, it's a problem that our county planning and zoning is going to have to tackle along with our commissioners. That's right. That's right. That's a great answer. That's an awesome answer. A lot of people are giving me a thumbs up on that right now. Um, that's great, and uh, they like what you're saying uh, on that issue. Um yeah, because you look. For instance, while a lot of people are saying, you know, the the mall down there and down, but, uh, I got a, um, one of my co-hosts here. I, I'm going to bring him on. He's from the state of Colorado. I don't want to get too much into national issues here, but um, the um, 
Reedsville area, the downtown issue uh, with the strip mall down there that's been vacant for a very long time. And you were mayor, obviously, during this time period also, where you saw Kmart exit, obviously, Turner Drive, uh, that area I'm talking about. Um, what can you, is there anything that you have in the future that maybe you see anything, any business coming in or what you can do to entice businesses to fill the empty buildings there? Or, or you know, it's obviously an empty lot right now that's becoming overgrown, and, it's, it, and you know, there's only belts in there right now, I think, and maybe one other business. That's right. uh, yeah, I mean, do you, do you have any ideas for that or anything to entice people to come in there and invest, or do you see anything for the future there? At the moment, with the current owner, which we've been dealing with for 20 years, I don't see any future there. It's an eyesore. The person who owns it has a number of um, malls. And my understanding is he allows this one as a lost uh, cause so that he can use it as a tax deduction on his um, tax return. And it's doing an injustice for us. We have, we've tried to get other people to look at it, to purchase it, um, and they walk away from it because the person who owns it wants way too much money for what all the changes that are going to have to happen before anybody could get back into it. Um, it's an eyesore. It's an embarrassment. Yeah. Um, and it, it, but it'll hurt. Been a lot of people in the community have hurt them. You know, the people in the community, they've been shopping oh. there for years, and they saw it, they, the businesses just dwindle away and fade away. And you're right, it's not just an eyesore. It's, you drive by it, and it's like there's nothing there, and it's like, what a waste. You know, you look at all that well, space, are, and we were just talking about development here, and we're, we're tearing down woods, beautiful natural areas, when we can invest over there and put these, you know. <laughs> right, but I have yeah. to say this. There are two other businesses there that are great. Bob Adams Florist is there, and they're fantastic, and so is Schrader yep. Shoes. Um, okay. And, they, yep. and, and God bless them that they're still there. Um, the current landlord, it's amazing when it rains hard, all the leaks. We have had uh, fire marshals go in there. We've had code enforcement go in there just to look to see what we can do. And unfortunately, a private-owned entity, um, there's only so much that a government entity can do. Yeah, so yeah, that's I, true. You're, you're right. You're right. And control. And I, I'm going to bring on my uh, co-host here real quick. I don't know how much time you can spend with me here, but it's a great conversation thus far. And 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 by all means, uh, like I said, we have quite a national following here. I'm going to bring on my friend here from Colorado. Uh, welcome. Do you have anything uh, anything you want to say here, uh, Jim from Colorado? Yes. Uh, you know, I uh, I really appreciate you coming on the on the show tonight. Um, you know, it's uh, it's refreshing to hear a man that uh, seems to have a strong moral compass and common sense, and uh, brave man, uh, especially with your background, to to come on and to face the public one on one. So I I commend you. Um, you know, so much of what goes on in our world today just doesn't make sense, and I know that you understand that maybe more than most because of your past positions and interactions with uh, the different adhesion contracts and so on and so forth that we're all entangled in, even at the municipal and, and county levels. And, you know, I could bring up a number of subjects that would interest the, the people, but I'm trying to keep it simple because um, I'm not here to hang you out. Um, oh yeah, sure. Uh, 
a good example would be the quandary that our, our local law enforcement find themselves in when it comes to illegal immigration, uh, which is part of that fentanyl concern. And ICE doesn't want them. Um, nobody wants them. Uh, you know, I'm 70 years old, and I remember when there was vagrancy laws on the books. And the local people can't afford to incarcerate them and keep them. And, you know, I, I give Abbott uh, kudos for sending the problems on to the people that created them. But, you know, here, here there's a moral dilemma of common sense of what's right and wrong and actually, you know, what's really understood as common common sense in our life and in our law form, but yet you find yourself in that moral dilemma that you got to make a decision as to whether to punt or to accept responsibility. So where do you stand on that, sir? Well, that, that's a heck of a question. Um, I, all I can say is I, I kind of look at the immigrant problem much like the problem that we have with cocaine here in the United States. Um, there is a market here for the drugs. That's why they're, mag- you know, like magnets coming into the United States. And there's a market for um, illegal immigrants to be hired here. Until we accept the responsibility that we're only going to hire people who are American citizens or those on proper work visas, this is going to continue. Um, it's, I, I guess I'm throwing it back on it's, it's the responsibility of everybody um, to do their own little part. Sharks is not paying people under the table cash. You heard me say that before. But, I mean, it's the same thing with the drug trade. If we did not have a market here to want have all the drugs shipped in here, they wouldn't be coming. And so um, there's a certain level of responsibility that every citizen has to bear. That's right. I agree. Um, well, Maybe... Maybe yeah. if we took away their labor force by enforcing the laws, then they wouldn't have a labor force. But then the kickback on that is we wouldn't have the tax base from them, and you'd have those vacant buildings Joe was talking about. But <laughs> everybody's afraid to, to do what's right because they're caught in the moment. And that's my perception, anyway. But, uh, no, I agree with you. Us. Everybody is caught in the moment. And I think that this neither of these problems are going to get solved overnight. But I think that we can incrementally just start somewhere. And um, I know how hard it is as a small business owner to try to find out who truly has a legitimate Social Security number or not. And if it's going to be too hard for a small businessman to, or woman to find out about it, you're not, there, nobody's going to try to find out. And so I think that's where it's up to our government to make have a system electronic that a person can very easily term, determine pretty quickly if, is this a legitimate number or not. That's right. That's right. And I know, I know I've got some people here who run uh, the health care. You know, some people came on late from Rockingham County. I know some people actually from the 158 area that I know are on, if they have any questions pertaining to the health care. Uh, one of the hospitals in bankruptcy, uh, I, I think you've mentioned that, um, uh, you know, uh, that you have to address. But I want to give you – I, I promised you a free and open platform. Uh, if elected, or what makes you better for the choice 
for the people out there that are listening, and I'm not going to be totally honest with you. Most of the people that listen to my podcast and a lot of people that listen are uh, from the conservative side, conservative base. But with that being said, you, Mr. Dunnecker, NC House representatives, uh, lawmaker in North Carolina, what makes you a better fit for that position now in this time period in your life where you are at in your life, what can you know? What what's your vision, and what what are you gonna? What's your first order of business uh, when elected to the house? My first order of business is get along with people. Um, I've been in business this entire my entire career. You do not become successful in business by saying you buy my product because I told you to. You get successful in business because you know the market. You create something that the market wants, and you flex and work with people to get it out there. That has been my life, and I would like to bring that down to the legislature. I'm not going to change the legislature. However, if enough people are elected like me who said, I'm down there to solve problems and not stand on a stump and talk political rhetoric, that's the first step. What I want to do is – and people told me – Jay, they don't get it when you say this, but I'm going to say it. I want to lead from the middle. And what I mean by that is I don't want to be far right. I don't want to be far left. I want to be in the middle because the vast majority of people are like you and I. We're moderates. Uh, you, you know, it's the old bell-shaped curve. I want to represent the 70% in the middle, not the 15% on either fringe. And I can do that. Um, I have done it. Um, when I was mayor... And I, when I filed to run this go-round, I had to say that I was a Democrat. And a lot of people said, Doc, I didn't know you were even what party you were. Because when I was married, <laughs> they, they couldn't tell. It's, wow. it's, all about, it's about solving issues. Now, I can't – one of the things I, I would grew up, my father used to say, it's a smart person who knows what they don't know. There is a lot that I don't know. But what I do know is I can – Listen to people. I can listen to ideas. I can identify who experts are in certain fields and, and follow whether it's an expert, whether it's a popular opinion that makes sense. And that's all I'm going to bring. I'll be transparent. Um, my number's in the phone book. People can call me up. Uh, that's what I did. Uh, 16 years of mayor, my number was always out there. And I think I got maybe four or five bad phone calls where they basically chewed me a new hole. But it, that's the way it was. I mean, I probably deserved yep. it. But um, I, I will stay in touch with everybody. We've got a Zoom account so that we can do – we're going to do some more Zoom uh, presentations. Um, and if I get elected, I'm going to continue that Zoom account and have public forums on a routine basis. I used to have – So um, you're going to have an open hall. door. So you're going to have an open door policy pretty much with your office. If elected to NC House, you'll have an open door policy where, hey, you know, let, let, you know there's going to be transparency here. I'm going to let you know. I'm just not going to sugarcoat and say, hey, you know, today's national holiday this or, or you know, uh, be the be – the, uh, 
you know, the, the sugar coating of everything. You, you want you an open door to address the heart issues that are affecting people. You know, the, the, everybody's problem is big and, and individual, but really, in a way, it kind of like reflects to the next guy and your next door neighbor, and it falls upon the community, and then it falls upon the state, and then the state falls upon the national spectrum. So, therefore, you you're you're going to be that grassroots type of guy that says, hey. It doesn't matter, Republican, Democrat. If the issue stands with core beliefs of how I was raised and what's best for everybody, that's what I'm going to stand for. Am I correct? Yeah, that's correct, and I'll give you two examples. When I was elected first time, our council met at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Nobody could show up if they had an issue. So I had evening hours um, every Thursday night uh, from 7 to 9 o'clock. I was the only one in City Hall. It was just me and the janitor, and anybody could come in and talk to me. And then we changed our meetings to being in the evening, so it wasn't as critical to have uh, night hours because our council met at night. That's number one. Number two is um, just the other day, somebody was having a hard time getting in touch with Senator Burr's staff. They had gone through their local Republican Party representatives and didn't get anywhere. I just sent an email to the staff at Senator Burr's office because I'd worked with them over 20 years. Um, and their staff, they don't ask, oh, are you a Democrat? Oh, I'll help you, or no, I won't help you. Um, <laughs> yeah, and exactly. they responded within 24 hours and, and actually told that person exactly what they needed to do. That's what good politics are. Once you get elected, in a lot of ways, it should not matter what party you are if you're solving problems for the citizens. That's right. Amen to that. Wow, that's great. That's great words. You know, the, the real quick, just on a local issue also, you know, the late Jerry Carter, he passed away. He was uh, NC House 65. He's a friend of mine, actually. That's why I bring his name up. Um, I yeah. went to his church, uh, yeah, First Baptist Church there, and, you know, he was a great guy. He passed away. And now the seat, you know, um, I know uh, Reese Pirtle, he holds the seat now. He's an incumbent, and you're running against him. And uh, we're not going to – I'm not going to get into that, vice versa. I don't do that. I don't believe in bashing anybody or talking about anybody behind their back. Um, but the seat being as it may, uh, in remembrance of what – you know, like I said, I love Jerry. He was uh, he was a great guy. And uh, – you know, he stood for a lot of issues, and he, and he was very openly spoken about a lot of issues. And a lot of people are asking me these issues now. You know, that yeah, you're running as a Democrat, but again, you know, why, where where do you stand on, for instance, it's a very hard issue, a very important issue. Uh, you know, the abortion issue. What what uh, people are asking me? This is a make or break type of question. I understand that, but where do you stand on the abortion issue? Well, that's that's where the libertarian in me comes out. Um, There's a privacy issue here. As far as I'm concerned, women should have as much privacy about their medical conditions as men, period. Okay. Okay. All right. That that should be made out out in the open. Okay. I like that. It's a privacy (laughs) issue because you start opening the door on restricting privacy, and then you start opening the door on how you're going to enforce it. Uh, What societies – I do think uh, we have too many – Um, children that are being born that are unwanted right now. I do believe we have enough churches in North Carolina that we should make a concerted effort to take care of these 10,000 unwanted children now um, and find them homes that in the future, if people truly want to try to restrict the ability of a 
women in late-term pregnancy to have an abortion, um, that they just, it's not going to be, it, it will be safe for the woman to have it and the caregiver, that we should have avenues for that child to be taken care of. And I'm not saying the government should step up to the plate to take care of those children. What I'm saying is there should be a public-private collaboration, but I would love to have a model created or shown to work in which our churches may start adopting these unwanted children at a young age uh, with parents that truly love them. Um, I'm on the Board of Health for Rockingham County, and we have a bunch of children that are unwanted that are in foster care that would love to have parents. And I just that's a shame. That that's a shame. That 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 touches me right there. That just I have to interrupt you. That touches me right there. No, no, You're no, absolutely right. right. I call out. That, yeah, you know, it's terrible. That's terrible. That there's no reason why there should be any child in Rockingham County or in the state of North Carolina or in America that is unwanted. That's a shame. But go ahead, Mr. Dunacker. No, 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 no. I was on a roll, and you stopped me at just the right time. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Continue on, please. I'm sorry. It's just a, it's a it's an emotional topic, though. It is. It is. And like I said in the beginning, it's a make you break you type of question, you know. <laughs> but go it ahead. Is, and there, I, I don't want anybody to think that there's any uh, simple solution. I I abhor gratuitous uh, abortion, but as a veterinarian, I know that I've dealt with a number of reproductive problems again in in uh, animals, in which. Um, Mother Nature has a say in it, and I would hate for a, a woman or a physician to have to um, defend what was necessary for the health of the woman or, or all the myriad of issues that are brought to the table. But it all comes under privacy. Uh, like I said, there's a libertarian in me that I have a live and let live attitude, and women should have as much privacy as a man does. And that's just the way it is. For, for okay. My, now, if, if if I go to the legislature and all of a sudden people go back and forth and say, well, Jay, that's not going to cut it because we've got these people who want to do that, I certainly would be willing to sit down and at least arrive at something. But the truth be known is right now North Carolina is handling the situation to my satisfaction. But if enough people say it isn't satisfactory, and the legislature needs to tackle that thorny issue in a responsible, pragmatic way, I certainly would be willing to be part of the conversation. But, it, but my conversation will be about preserving privacy and about being practical because you can legislate something, but you have to always think out, well, what's the scenario after you've legislated? How are you going to enforce it? How are you going to document it? What are, what are the penalties? And I haven't read yet where that's truly been thought out of the consequences of just doing a, across the board, you can't do this. Um, Mother Nature doesn't work that way. And and uh, real quick on that same subject, you know, you can't legislate morality. You know, we can't legislate morality. Correct. It's up to the community and the people of the community, like you said, um, to be responsible and to, like you said, you come from pretty much the same generation I did. You know, uh, you know look, you know, pregnancy, teen pregnancy in Rockingham for across the country, for instance, it's, it's, it's something where we have to address through education. I believe, I believe you'd be on the same page with me on that. We have to educate first, educate the people first, and then when they're able to make the proper decisions, and we would trust them to make the proper decisions, and then, of course, privacy would kick in. That's your private decision. That's what you make, and government should step out of it. That's basically where you stand, right? 
That's exactly right. We we do not need okay. the government's nose sticking it under our tents. Um, that's just it's just wrong. There's a place for government and there's a place not for government. And that's right. You know, morality is all an individual thing. Um, you mentioned internal compass or personal compass. My personal compass is the Sermon on the Mount. Period. And um, that's me. I don't think everybody else needs to have that, that's, that's mine. But that's what will be brought to the legislature. Um, and, again, you can't legislate. You can't tell people how they need to worship. You can't tell people how they need to be moral or not. What you can do is put guardrails in place so that nobody gets hurt. Mr. Dunnecker, uh, before I let you go, I just want to say uh, thank you for coming on the podcast here. Um, like I said, we wouldn't really specifically set a time, but I know you're very busy, and I don't want to keep you much longer. Uh, but I just want to, again, I'm going to give you the final uh, words here. I want you to just talk to the listeners out there. And by all means, share the show link with your supporters or people out there who may have questions of you. And, uh, and that there, the issues that you face on the campaign trail, what's the hardest question uh, that you've been asked so far on the campaign trail or you have had to address that may – you know, you may come up against as a state legislator uh, when elected. Hmm, that's a good question. I, I probably <laughs> sorry, I, I said the best I, for last. <laughs> no, um, it, it's not. This isn't the hardest question, but I have the hardest time trying to figure out what the solution is. And that is um, our law enforcement, we know that those who are in law enforcement, their average lifespan is about 10 years shorter than the average lifespan for people in North Carolina. And we need to do something so that that's not the case. Our law enforcement is under a lot of pressure, a lot of stress. Um, you know, I, when I was stopped for speeding when I was a kid, you know, I'd lean over, reach in the glove box, get my registration, and hand it to the officer. You can't yep. do that anymore. No. Um, because no. the officer doesn't know what's going to happen. So I think the toughest question is what can we do to help? And my opinion is I would like to see our law enforcement in North Carolina be allowed to retire after 25 years rather than have to do it for 30. Um, you start getting in that's your great. late That's great. That's awesome. Wow. That's awesome. That's well, a great that, idea. Well, of course, it will cost money, but I think we owe it to our law enforcement community because when they start getting to be about 50, 55, um, you know, they don't – we shouldn't make them have to stick out that final five years um, because I, I think it's just so hard. and. I'm, I'm very much I believe. I know that at one point our general assembly has discussed it a year or so ago, and a number of couple entities came out against it. But after thinking long and hard about it, we've got to set aside the concerns about money in this situation, and we need to address it. And when I say that, that's set awesome. aside, wow. we need to prioritize our budget so that we can we can address the need to allow our law enforcement officers to retire after 25 years. Because they're, they're still going to have to work another 20. But we shouldn't have to make them work in such a stressful part um, uh, or stressful pursuit. 25 years should be more than enough. 
Wow, that's great. And proposing that as a state legislator uh, would be awesome. And you get a lot of people here that are sending me comments that uh, they like that idea. And 30 years, you're right, is a long time. And when you get to that age 50, 55, 60, you, know, you get to that last five years, you're like, hey. But, oh. yeah, 20, it would cost money. Yeah. Go ahead. It would, but you know what? They deserve it. Um, but anyway, I appreciate you letting me come on your show. Yeah. I'm more than happy to come back. My message is I want to represent from the middle. I, I, I want to be accused of being a moderate. I want to be accused of collaborating and cooperating. Um, I don't want, to, um, want somebody to think that, oh, he has this opinion and it's going to be his, high, his way or the highway. No. I will work with whoever it takes so that we do something on some of these issues. That's awesome. Mr. Dunacker, I want to thank you for joining me tonight on my podcast. And by all means, take this link to the show, and uh, it'll be on iHeartRadio. And, and we've got a large national audience. I know that. And there were some questions that may be unanswered, but that's, that's fine. You know, if we can't answer all the questions for everybody, I understand that. But this is a man right here that stands in the middle. He's not along just party lines. And I would say right now, I would say I support you, and uh, uh, good luck to you. And uh, thank you for uh, coming on the podcast show tonight. Thank you so much. You bet, and thank you for including me. I really appreciate you giving me the opportunity. Awesome. Thank you so much. Jay Dunacker, Reesville, North Carolina, running for North Carolina House of Representatives, District 65. And uh, everybody uh, locally, uh, you heard it. Go back and listen to it in the archive. Download it. Download the show. I'm going to go to commercial. Jay, thank you so much. I'm going to... Go ahead, and, uh, you can go ahead and hang up now if you want to and disconnect you, but uh, I'm going to play a commercial, and then we'll carry on with the national broadcast. Thank you. God bless everybody. That was Jay Dunacker, Reesville, North Carolina. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Joan. Here, you were in this. Sure, you wrote it big enough? Mm, yes, old King George should be able to see that. <laughs> when in the course of human events it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with another, a decent respect requires that they declare the causes which impel them. And separation. We hold these truths to be self-evident. That all men are created equal. That they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. And among these, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. To secure these rights, governments are instituted among men deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. And whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or to abolish it and to establish new government. We therefore, the representatives of the United States of America, 
do and with the authority of the good people of these colonies solemnly publish and declare that these united colonies are and of right ought to be free and independent states that they are absolved of all allegiance to the british crown and that all political connection between them and the state of great britain is and ought to be totally dissolved in the support of this declaration with a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence we mutually pledge to each other our lives our fortunes and our sacred honor Joseph Gibson podcasting around understanding the times which we live today. All right, that was uh, the last guest there. I'm going to bring on back on Jim here. Maybe we'll have a conversation here bringing uh, about, we, you know, this is a international show. And really, you know, local candidates for local districts and whatnot, they can really achieve national status or stardom by, you know, participating. And uh, Jay Dunnecker did that. And he was so kind to take my invitation. And, and it, I didn't have to hound him or get him on the podcast. He he responded uh, directly back to me. He said, thank you, Joe. Thank you for being upfront and honest. And this is a guy who was mayor of my city that I live in, you know, uh, Joseph Gibson area. Obviously, you must know who I am. And you know, <laughs> I actually would have been running against him if I would have won the primary. <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, I can't really disagree with a lot of the things that he said. So if he's elected, I, I you know, I, I probably won't run against him as uh, <clears throat> in uh, the District 65 here. So, I mean, how could I? I pretty much agree with much of what he said. Um you know, my my sights are on the horizon. I pretty much am more or less, because uh, a lot of people are asking me, what do you think about that, Joe? Well, I'm more or less uh, a national, you know, the national spectrum and this country itself. But I always believe that you have to start someplace and you start at the local level. And that's why I started where I did as far as politics. But it's good to have friends like that. And it's, friend, and it's good to have friends that you can talk to that are on other, the other side of the ball. You know, he I opened up. I'm a Republican. I'm a conservative, and 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 this gentleman here was is a Democrat, and he and he wasn't politically correct on all his responses and questions, and it was just a conversation, and and I wasn't here to bash him or tear him down. A Democrat, crazy. You know, I'm not here to do that. I'm here to have a conversation, talk to him. The guy is obviously. See, you got to understand here in North Carolina and the county I'm in. This is a country. We're a country folk here in, you know, the North Carolina and whatnot. And, you know, a, a different type of breed across the cities and whatnot. But it's good to see a Democrat. Think along those lines. It really is. 323, three, I'll bring you on here. Go ahead. What do you got to say? Hello, Joe. This is Joe. How are you? Hey, how are you, Joe? How are you? You missed, yeah, I don't know if you were listening or not, but I had a, a Democrat uh, for the uh, – uh, who was the – uh, mayor uh, of a city here in North Carolina for three successful terms, and uh, now he's running for a state legislator uh, uh, in North Carolina, and I just had him on. And uh, he was pretty um, – he's more or less of, hey, libertarian. That's what he said at the end, right? Uh, everybody else that's on the phone line here tonight, he's pretty much a libertarian. And I, I think I still got Jim on no here. Him. But go ahead, yeah. And you should have heard the question. I didn't – no, yeah, because I, I, I didn't hear anything. I just came in. I was surprised to see your show. I didn't know you had a show on Thursdays. So I said, oh, okay, let me call in, and I wanted to let you know that your last show that I was on was Sally and Sergeant and the rest. I wanted to let you know you did a yeoman's job of moderating 
your friends and your colleagues there for the, um, you know, for the New Republic. Well, thank you. Because it couldn't have been easy. It could not have been easy. You didn't interrupt (laughs) them. It was hard. Hey, (laughs) you know. I've got to be honest, years. though. Like you said, yeah. i got to be honest. If I'm going to go out there and win the people, because I don't want to win just Republicans. I don't want to win just you, Libertarians. I don't want to win just the Democrats. I'm out there for the people, the people of our country. There I want the people out there, you know, and that's what it's about. It really is. That's right. So I'm, what I'm going to do, I'm going to listen to, to this podcast to find out how you did with the Democrat, because you said he turned, you know, he was more or less Libertarian at the end. But I want to let you know that the fact that you – Took it upon yourself that you knew these uh, these guys, and that you interrupted them to make sure that they would answer the questions in a way that the people, your listeners, your constituents, your future people, would understand. That is something that I thought you should be commended for. Well, thank you, thank you. I appreciate that. I actually got one of the gentlemen on right now that you went back and forth with, Jim from Colorado. He's on right now. I got him on uh, the pod- the line right now. Actually, Jim, you still there? Yeah, good evening, Joe. Glad to have you join us tonight. Hello. Hello, Jim. How are you? I'm good. You know, Joe, I was really impressed with that guy. I, I promised you in my text I'd be nice to him. And, you know, I wanted to really ask him some real hard questions, but uh, I didn't want to. Sometimes want it's to not fitting. Sometimes it's not fitting. He, he addressed no. the platform properly. But what did you think about the show that we did? Uh, you heard Joe here. And Joe Joe tore me apart on another podcast about a month ago, a month and a half ago. And, and I want to say something right now uh, with all due respect to my family out there that's listening. My father passed away, actually, that during the, uh, it, was, it was like a day, yeah. Um, and he was sorry. dying. That he was actually dying the night we did that interview, and I was in a rush to to travel up to Connecticut, and but I promised I would do that show with you. So, I, and actually, right after I got off the phone with you, I had my bags all packed and I hopped in the car. But I made sure, and this isn't just to puff myself up, but it's the truth. And you know, I I, I want to make sure because I believe my obligations and keeping my word no matter what. And my dad, I was asking for me, sure. and I made sure I did that podcast before I left. Actually, you know. So it, it was uh, very important. My dad uh, was my best friend. So he's my best friend. Uh, I don't have anybody to call uh, anymore good. during the day. You know, it's it's, uh, it's rough. Yeah. It's hard. You know, well, we it really is. Once in a while, Joe, and my line's always open, bro. I appreciate that. I really do. You know, and, and hey, yeah, Joe. he was my best friend. My dad. You know, yeah. You know, I, I got a job as a security officer real quick, and and uh, you know, and I, I'm like, you know, every, after every shift, I would call him. You know, and, and and it's like, you know, I got nobody to call, you know, at the end of the day, I leave. I'm like, yeah, I just got messed with me yeah. last night, you know, and I was trying to do, you know what I mean? You know, you know how you talk to your buddies, you yeah. know, and you're like, yeah, you know, you talk about the things right. that happen in your life. <laughs> you know, I got nobody to talk to now. He's gone, and, you know, and, and he died. I held his hand. He died, actually died four after four hours after I up, you know, at, at his house. He was, you know, he was in hospice and bed, uh-huh. and I held his hand. You know, yeah, he died. He died four hours afterward. He was he was staring at me, um, actually, when I looked up. You know, when he, when it went beep, and that was it. You know, and he stopped breathing. He was staring at me, and right. he was smiling. Yeah. But he was only sixty-seven years old. You know, and, and we That's had and we had plans. We had so many plans together. You know, to come down here, and you know, and he was going to move his DVD business down here. He he, Mark, he cornered. The, he was actually one of the guys that applied at IBM back when the internet first started. He worked with Dr. Henry Lee from the O.J. Simpson case. He worked with him, 
and uh, at Yale oh, okay. University, and yeah, and he he was one of the guys that helped start the internet that you guys meet today. My my dad, believe it or not, and uh, you know, mm. and you know, it, it, he worked at Yale University. But IBM told my dad he was overqualified. You know, this is a guy that went to the eighth grade and oh. dropped out. Eighth grade, dropped out. He was overqualified to work at IBM. You know, and he's 67 years old. He was going to come here and live with me, and he was going to bring his DVD business down here. He cornered the market on classic cartoons and classic movies. He did the public domain stuff. He sold it to Amazon. Amazon Prime exists today. I'm going to say that right now, even though he never got the credit for it because of my dad. Amazon Prime, where you, where you stream videos. My dad invented that, streaming videos. Right. Yeah. He, he never got the credit for it. Never got the credit for it. He invented that, the streaming and the video. Yeah. It's a shame, you know, yeah. but uh, that that's maybe something I'll fight. Maybe I don't know. Who knows? I don't know. It's a big battle. Amazon, they're they're dirty, but you know, <laughs> but uh, you know, he, yeah, but uh, yeah, yeah he was my best friend. Buyers now. <laughs> yeah. they, you know, you know, they want to qualify buyers. They are, you know, in yeah. other words, it's yeah. the institution, the beginning of it, of a social credit system. They want to qualify you to see if you yeah. can buy and spend your money with them now. Yeah. And my dad was against all that. He wanted to make everything available to the streamers out there on the Internet that where, hey, if it's public domain, you got it. It's yours. You can have it. You know, and he went that he made that, and, and the loopholes that he's invented, the back doors of the internet and whatnot, that I'm totally oblivious, oblivious to, he invented. If my dad was here right now, mm-hmm. be like, ah, shut up, Joey, you're too, them releasing too much information. Don't let them know that. They got to get it to themselves. You know, <laughs> but yeah, but yeah. that night, Joe, that you vetted me, that's what I was going through. That actually, you know, and down the back of my yeah, mind, but you know, go through that, yeah. Yeah. But I but I kept my promise and yeah, you, you tore me apart though. This guy he didn't really Jim, this guy didn't let me off a hook for a second. He was like, Man, if I answered the wrong question, I was off the that's it, I'd be done. <laughs> I can tell that about him. I can definitely tell that about him. Yeah. Hey Jim, well, how you? Cool. It wasn't quite I got a, I, it I got wasn't a, quite I got a chance to Hang on a second. Uh Joe, Joe, Joe you go first. Up. What's up? Oh, okay. Hey, I Joe, what go I first. said was, I got was going to the, the vetting was going to be thorough, but it wasn't going to be obnoxious and nasty. Plus, Joe did. No. He wasn't trying to tap dance. So that was another thing, too. Okay? The reason yeah. why we had set up that particular type of vetting session was to show people how do you vet a candidate. Because a lot of times, candidates have about the same resumes as everybody else. They make the same promises as everybody else. But you've got to put them on the spot. But you do it in a way that will reveal to the people what's happening without trying to really, as Joe was saying, shred them. I wasn't trying to shred them. I was just trying to make sure that no candidate, Joe included or anybody else, because I've done this twice before, was going to just tap dance like Fauci. You know, Rand Paul asked the question, yeah, and, yeah. Ran, and Fauci just runs with it. No. So that wasn't going to happen when I, when I vet a candidate. And to let people know, how do you make sure that a candidate is going to keep his word within one week? You don't have to wait six years to find out the guy, you know, watching. <laughs> you don't have to find out soon. You? So that's what I was doing. But um, I didn't yeah. know you were under that kind of pressure, Joe. So, um, you know, you handled yeah, yourself man. well. Yeah, it was uh, very difficult, actually. Uh, it really was. It was hard, um, you know. But uh, it, I don't know how long. You know, I, I posed that question to you guys. I don't know if you lost your dad or family members close to you. It's the first time I ever have. Um but you know, how do you how do you see yourself going on in the future? I mean, you, you know, the person's gone, and 
you carry on day to day, but you never really come over it, do you? You never get over it. No. I mean, I, I just no, no, you don't. It's always with you. Yeah, you can't replace that, you know, and it's irreplaceable. And so that's why it's important to build on the memories now, you know, while you still got them. But, uh, yeah. yeah. Hey, Joe, I got a, I got a friend named yeah. Mike on the line, and he's been hanging on for the whole hour and uh, in order to meet you. And uh, Mike is a, a patriot and is very active in our arena. And so I'd like you to introduce you to, to Mike. And, uh, yeah, go ahead, Mike. Mike go ahead. We got another Joe on here, too. So that's great. <laughs> uh, Joe's got a great radio voice. Let me tell you, I, I need to get him as a campaign spokesman. That guy could do a commercial for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, You've got so, that domineering yeah, I, voice. <laughs> I got the what? Dom- it's a domineering you? voice that just like, hey, if you answer oh, me wrong, I'm going to tear uh, you apart. <laughs> oh, well, you know? oh, uh, that's a compliment. Thanks. You might you better call me Montana and him Joe because otherwise people are going to get confused. So just call me Montana. Yeah, I know. They will. Time. They will, actually. But go, I don't know. Which Joe you want, yeah. do you want them to meet, me or uh, the other Joe? It'll be that's you. Well, the, the, yeah, well, the host, Joe, but hello to both Joes. Hi, Joe, and hi, Joe. And um, hey. just a quick intro for myself. Um, my name is Michael Van Schaik. It's a Dutch name, Van Schaik. But everybody knows me as Mike Singer because of a children's music book I wrote, Grand Staff and His Musical Friends. I'm the founder of TheBigVirusHoax.com and MilitiaUSA.org, which points and forwards to RighteousArmy.com. So I'd like to just – that's just a quick little introduction, but – First of all, I'd like to say condolences, Joe, uh, regarding your father, and and you're Thank very you. blessed to, to have been able to be with your father when he passed. That's a real blessing. Yeah, it was. Thank you. Appreciate that. Yeah, and, you know, just for the record on the show, I was listening throughout, like uh, James said, and, you know, I did want to say just for the record, you know, I disagree with the you know the, the, the statement that, that morality cannot be legislated in the sense that alcohol and tobacco is, is regulated, um, pornography is regulated, and frankly, the Bible and the Ten Commandments is legislation. Well, you're humanity. right. A pastor told so, me that, actually. That's why I put that out there. You're absolutely right. I disagree with that also, actually, that statement. But that's a pastor that's been pounding that for me years, a theology professor of mine that's been saying, Joe, you can't legislate morality. And I've been disagreeing with him forever on that. You know, but but and I right. think Joe, but the other Joe also does too. But yeah, I agree with you. But it's just a que- It's just something I put out there as a statement and see how people react to that. Sure. You know. Sure. Yeah, and I, and I think I think the strongest argument could be made that the United States of America, the majority of American people, are center to right, conservative, Christian, patriot, truther, and you know, it's in the spirit of that. That one of the questions, you know, I, w- I would have brought up with the, the guest you had on earlier was would have just been to ask him, and, and I was going to say if I had the chance to get on, that I didn't know if I should pose it as a question or a statement, but I probably would have made a statement and then asked the question, and the statement would have been, you know, there is a new world order, one world government agenda afoot, and it really yeah. is applicable to even the yeah. issues that were being discussed regarding yeah. the border and how that does affect even local communities, which, by the way, I've been to North Carolina several times, a beautiful state. My dad lives in North Carolina. Um, a lot of people I know have moved out of this. I live in this little country down south called Miami. I'm sure you're familiar with it. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> kind of a yeah, Miami, the cocaine come on. cowboys. Yeah. Very seal. Very seal. Yeah, I've got I've got my sights set on Tennessee or North Carolina sometime in yeah, the near man. future. It's just beautiful up beautiful up there. But but I do think that the issues affect it's great you have a national show because these issues the immigration and border issue does affect you referenced it earlier with regards to your landscape business and it and it, it's across the board with all businesses when you have illegal undocumented Im- immigrants coming in and I thought it was interesting that your previous guest mentioned this thing about make sure they have a legitimate social security now I don't know if this is true but it's worth looking into um, I've heard from two different sources that this mass um, immigration they're allowing to come across the border that they're handing them Social Security numbers as they're coming across. That's what I've been told by two sources. Yeah. It's worth looking into to see if it's true. But I, it wouldn't surprise me, given that this administration is working on behalf of a new world order, one world government agenda that is hell bent on, on absolutely um, infiltrating the United States of America with immigrants. There's a reason for it. There's a reason why they're doing it. Well, yeah, Michael, no, Social no. Security cards represent collateralization for the national debt, and the corporation doesn't have control of the Treasury anymore, or the Federal Reserve, the Treasury does, so they're in a cash crunch, and they need more birth certificates across the border to collateralize the debt they're trying to sell to the international community. Right. Yeah, no. which obviously is a no, yeah. conversation that could deep. So I'll I'll back off now and let you guys. Can, but no, man, you're doing you great. You're great, singer. Uh, singer, you said right, Mark. Uh, Mark Singer, uh, promote. Uh, listen, what, what singer? I don't. Uh, that that name alone is famous. <laughs> you know, well, uh, I appreciate you coming true. on. That's true. Yeah, and that is a pen name. It's my gnome de plume and my stage name. I was a you know pretty much a lifelong musician. And it was an easy name for me to put on my children's music book. Um, it, you know, my last name is a Dutch name, which, you know, we say it here in the U.S., we say Van Schoik, but it's pronounced Van, Van Schaik over in Holland, so it's kind of difficult to pronounce. But, you know, I go by Mike Singer as a pen name because of a children's music book I wrote, and being a, a stage musician, that's what everybody in Miami knows me as. So it's just an easier name, Mike Singer. Wow, that's great. That's awesome. Uh, you started talking a little uh, 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 European there. We might get the National Socialist Joe back on here, huh? <laughs> well, where's Sarge? Well, at? Sarge had his hand up. He was on here. He had his hand up, I think. Uh, he disappeared. I don't know. He's in the. Sarge was in here. He wanted to jump in here. Sarge, where you at, man? I want to get you in here. Get in here on the conference. There he is. There he is. I'm gonna bring Sarge on. There he is. Sarge. Sarge, go ahead. You're on. Am I really? <laughs> hey, how you doing, Joe? And Joe, I'm doing good, long man. time no hear from. What's up, baby? Hey, Sarge. I was glad here. to hear you on uh, Joe's show the other night. <laughs> yeah, you know, look, man, uh, I've been I've been out the loop because I have been so open-mouthed aghast at this thing going on with Donald Trump and this hideous attorney general and this entirely corrupt deep state apparatus bureaucracy that I forgot your show was on tonight, and that's why I'm tuning in late. So uh, please that's accept great. my regret for that. 
Well, we got the Mr. Singer on here, the, the children's books there. That was great. I mean, uh, uh, that name alone, like I said, was famous. But uh, uh, thanks for the condolences about my dad, though. I appreciate that. You know, and uh, those sure. that missed uh, the, the conversation, I appreciate that. Yeah, you know, he passed away. You know, uh, I was holding his hand the whole night. So, you know, he passed away four oh, hours later after I showed up. It was, it was powerful power and he's been on this podcast so many times stars you've talked to him so many times he wanted to talk to you in private so many times and i was like listen i i can't give out personal information you know <laughs> and he understood that but you know he was uh you know yeah, yeah, he died to so suddenly. who's of a uh, sincere heart yeah, I know. mind and i know has, uh, but I, I brought up the nsm there on their stars there you know you and i've had our encounters with them you remember when i had it out when they just flat out uh <laughs> They were flat out trashing me on the line there. <laughs> oh, I know, man. I mean, you were like a race trader with some people and all that. Yeah, yeah I, know. I know. What the hell did I do wrong? <laughs> you know? Like I said, you, know? you committed race treason, so you know how that works yeah. with, with folks who that way. Yeah, I know. But, but, you know, but other than that, what, though, go ahead, Bert. Go ahead, Bert. What's, what's your dad's name? I mean, name? I, get accused, I, I get accused of being a race trader all the time, too, so I welcome to the club. <laughs> My, my dad's name, he was uh, Joseph Gibson. Same name as mine, Joseph Gibson, actually. Well, Joseph man, Gibson. I, look, I'd like to offer my condolences on lost your father. I lost my father about 10 years ago. I thought he was Superman, and he was my How role model. How do you get over it, Sarge? How do you get over it, Sarge? That's the question I posed. Sarge, I posed that question to these guys on there. You know, how do you get over that? I mean, it's like, you know, I, every day I, I, I would call them, and I got nobody to talk to now. You know, I, I would call them. Well, you're you know, not I mean, supposed say, to get over it, Joe. What you're supposed to do, though, you celebrate the fact that you had him in your life and you knew him, and you're not really supposed to get uh-huh. over it. It's okay that you don't get over yeah, it. What you do is you accept it, and you accept all the good things he gave to you, like I did do my father, and and I, and the good right. times he had, and the warm feelings he gave me by knowing I had his love and his respect and his mentorship and all of that. You're not supposed to get over it. Don't get over it. Just tell yeah. everybody right. what a wonderful man he was, and as long as he's alive in your memory, he's never going to be dead. Or anyone else's memory. That's great advice. True. Yeah. Believe me, I think of my father just about every day. I I, I really yeah. thought he was Superman. I really did. I thought my father was I remember Superman. when I was a kid, I was he, he worked at Micromedia. Micromedia. I remember when I was a kid, I was living on Church Street above my grandparents, and he would bring home the Micromedia little sketches or whatever. And I remember I waking up at 3 o'clock in the morning, and there were the sketches that he had, you know, of the little schematics and everything of uh, computers and stuff. I thought I was, like, the most <laughs> important person in the world. <laughs> you know? Yeah, my father was yeah, kind of a so. jack-of-all-trades. He could do just about everything. He was a handyman, he was a carpenter, he was an auto mechanic. He was a... You know, a draftsman. I mean, he could do all kind of stuff, and then he would work out every day. That's where I got the workout effect from. Every day he'd work out. He had a great physique. I mean, he was uh, he was uh, well respected in the neighborhood. I really thought he was Superman. I swear, I keep saying that because I really did. I said, well, why can't you fly for everything else? <laughs> you know, and I'm telling you, I mean, I got a three one four here. Want to jump in here? I don't know who this is. Three one four. I'm gonna bring him in the conversation here real quick because there are issues that we have to talk about. I think my mother is listening to. I'm not sure if my mother's on here or not. I don't know. My mother's listening. I, but how about that one? <laughs> you know? I remember I had to listen to this, Sarge, though. The beginning of this podcast, I had my grandfather, my grandmother, 
uh, from another side of uh, my other side, my mother's side, my grandfather's my father's side. Listening, my father's brother, uncle, uh, you know, uh, which which died actually, he passed away listening to my podcast show. Believe it or not, in the hospital, uh, my uncle Mike. Mm. That's why if you, if you listen to my past archive shows, my uncle Mike, he was a dairy farmer out in Wisconsin. He passed away in the hospital listening to my podcast show. Uh, amazing. Uh, but uh, I think I got my mother on here. But uh, let's get three one four. Let's see who this is. Let's bring him on. Go ahead, three one four. I always like to, don't like let make people wait so long. Sorry about that. But go ahead, three one four. What do you mean you don't know who this is? Oh, there he is. <laughs> I hear him on the other shows all the time. I'm working security at a uh, trucking outfit, and here's Bianca on Black Talk Radio. I'm like, I recognize <laughs> that voice. <laughs> What's well, you going know, on? Love the guys, Joe and Sarge. You know what? Uh, Sarge may know this, but uh, the Justice Department, the FBI, has been raiding this one organization called the African People's Socialist Party. They raided them in St. Louis and also down in St. Petersburg, Florida. When uh, just here yesterday, and I guess it was a simultaneous raid. Organizations ran by a guy. Well, by they the did name that to Joseph. cover their tracks, probably. You know. Well, but, no. Uh, listen to what the I judge, gotta say. The judge Epstein. He did, he contributed. He made contributions. He was in front. The judge assigned the warrant to Epstein. You know, and, and, and was a supporter of uh, uh, what's his face there, Bush, the other Bush there. What was his name, Jeb Bush? That ran for president. He was a main contributor and financer of the campaign for Jeb Bush. Uh, uh, this judge here that signed off on the warrant on Trump. We got to get Donald mm-hmm. Trump on this show. Would that be big, huh? You know, I sat, I sat yeah, with but, him at a dinner uh, once in Greensboro. The organization name is you. The organization but, name is Uhuru, led by a guy by the name of is, is Joseph Waller, or he goes by another name. Now check this out, Sarge. Back in August of 2000, this organization had a run-in with Obama. Matter of I fact, it was August the 1st. The other Joe dropped. Okay. No, yeah. All right. Go August ahead. Go the ahead. 1st. Go ahead, August the 1st in St. Peter's. They had a run-in with Obama who was speaking at a rally. And I think they really pissed them off. Now, with... Garland, who's the Attorney General, sicking the FBI on these people. Garland was a nominee by Obama, and he cried because he was uh, he shed tears when he was taken out of that position to be on the Supreme Court. I can see this is nothing more than a retaliation inspired by Barack Obama to go after a long list of people, organizations that have dissed him to say. What do you think, Sarge? Yeah, well, actually, Pionk, I'm glad you reminded us of that because the FBI's hook for investigating this outfit is is that they that the Russians attempted to influence them with regard to meddling in the 2016 election. Well, you wow. know, here's the point about the Russians. That goes back to the 1920s with Herbert Hoover when they said that the Russians or communists was influencing black organizations 
And once again, in 1934 in Michigan, when they spied on a meeting that was being held by a black organization, then, of course, once again, as you came down during the time of Paul Robeson and them. So the communists have always skirted with black organizations through its conception. That was one of the reasons why I come Hoover was so hard on some of those organizations like King, because they figured that the communists had something to do with them. And we know that it was the Communist Party that represented the Scottsboro Nine boys in their lawsuit, which the NAACP would not take back in those days. Well, well, just so the listeners know what you're talking about, Pianchi, the FBI got a warrant to search the Uhuru House in St. Petersburg, Florida, and they got an indictment from the Department of Justice saying that a Russian national had a multi-year influence campaign using United States political groups to spread pro-Russia propaganda and interfere in elections, and this outfit was connected directly with them or involved with them or associated with in enough of a way that the FBI was able to get a search warrant and search their headquarters. Well, I know where their headquarters is in St. Louis. It's there on West Florissant Avenue off of Newstead. Right. They turned the building into something that they could do to work with the community, working with kids in the uh, Julius Davis uh, Library. But there's well, just peculiar... The Uhuru House is part of the Uhuru movement, and they're part of the African People's Socialist Party, like you said. And if you go to their website, you'll see what their aim and their mission is, and they say they aim to unite African people as one people for liberation, social justice, self-reliance, and economic development. They are and make no bones about the fact that they are socialists. But I know that uh, at that rally that Obama had in Florida, they interrupted many times when they asked the question, shouting, what about the black community? What about the black community? And it kind of pissed Obama off. How is Trump going to address that? How is Trump going to address that in the next – because we know he's going to run. I've already got information from people that uh, I'm not going to make the announcement, but I'm going to tell you right now, I've already got the emails from people who I speak privately. He he will be running. I mean, common sense, you guys know that, too, when we listen to this show or follows alternative media. He will be running in 2024. Um, So, but uh, how is he going to address that issue where, you know – well, shit, Joe, I don't know. Hang on, hang on. Go I got ahead. somebody else on the Go ahead. Who's that in the background there? Was that is that Mr. Singer? Yeah, it's Mike. Yeah, if I could say a Go word ahead, on race and racism. Yeah. You know, for the uh, edification of all, um, I came up with this some time ago. I Again, I believe, I mean, I am. I think that we're all here by creative design, that there's a Lord God creator almighty that created all things. And I therefore, you know, I tell people all the time, and when I tell this to black people, they love it. Give me high fives after I say it. I say, I am a racist because I acknowledge there are different unique races of beauty. I believe there's a creator, God Almighty, who created all of the unique, beautiful, different races of humanity. I appreciate the uniqueness and the beauty and the value and the diversity of all the unique, different races. And therefore, I believe all the races should be acknowledged and honored and preserved and protected. 
See, that's a, a righteous, godly perspective where the media, the mainstream media, has created this bogus concept of racism as if people don't like somebody because of the color of their skin or the language they speak. That's complete media-driven dribble, garbage. It's just not true. But that's the narrative and the mindset they've created to people. What we need to do is go back to respecting and honoring the unique different races, but the New World Order, One World Government agenda is all about annihilating and breaking down all nations and amalgamating all races into one brown team that they can rule over. That's the reality of it. And when people look into that, and I'll just say last thing, anybody who watches Europa, The Last Battle, it's a 12-hour documentary that will flip your world upside down. It's on the videos page at thebigvirushoax.com, and it's on the videos page at righteousarmy.org. It, is, it, it will give, in 12 hours, more of an education than most of us have had in a lifetime. Wow. And I got an email right here. I got an instant message here from uh, uh, the, uh, my, my buddy here. He's a Navy SEAL, actually. Uh, uh, can I say your name or no? 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 All right. Well, I say he's actually, he, well, he's over, he's over in Egypt right now. Okay, so he's sending me a he's on the, the, the instant chat with me right now. He's listening to the podcast. So I want to say great podcast. He appreciates you guys and what you're saying. And, and uh, uh, thank you. He said thank you for what you guys. There he goes. So he's done another message right there. Thank you. Uh, thank you guys. I appreciate you guys, and uh, that's why we fight for America, and, and uh, we'll never let America down. So uh, yeah, man. Thanks. Thanks. I appreciate you listening. Thank you. But, uh, yeah, so, uh, you know, yeah, you're absolutely right. And these guys understand the new world order. These are our best. These are our elite. They're out there. They understand. The military understands. They know what's going on. And they're about, uh, you said, great show the other night with the Restore the Republic uh, show also. Um, and we gotta restore. We gotta restore this thing, man. We gotta get back our country, and we can do it. We can do it, man. And it's not about how many chiefs we got out there. We all gotta be Indians. We all gotta do it individually. And we don't need a leader. That's why we're always looking to one leader. You ever notice that? Well, somebody's gonna ride down from the hills and save us. Look, it's up to you, 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 me, everybody, individually. We can do it ourselves within our own homes, and our, you know what I mean. That's where it's gotta start in our own houses. Well, you know what another problem is too, Joe, is they put too much emphasis on the politician rather than the electorate. It's the electorate that votes the politician in, and if the electorate is not cardinal about what it is that they're doing and what they're choosing these these politicians in, and they stay there forever. Stay in there, it's very difficult to remove them. The electorate has to be better educated and focused on what it is that they're doing. Right. Well, you right. know, I know that good leadership is important. After all, you know, people like Winston Churchill certainly proved the value of good leadership. But you know, being in the army, the one thing they and in combat arms, one thing they taught us over and over again was you got to keep training down the level of command so anybody can step in if the leaders get taken out. And they were constantly hammering that into us. Whoever has left and is senior takes over the mission. And that's something we all got to keep in mind. Yes, leadership is important. I want and hope for good leaders. I'm going to back a good leader. But any one of us should be prepared to step in when and if it's necessary. That's right. And for everybody out there who's listening, I had a local representative on who's running for public office. He was a mayor 
for our three terms in Re- uh, uh, Reedsville, North Carolina here, city of Reedsville. And he did do good things for the Reedsville. You know, but how much power can one guy have, or as a politician? And he was more or less a libertarian. That's what he said at the end. And uh, I always do that to Democrats. I always kind of convince them to go reach over to the libertarian side <laughs> when, I'm, when I'm done with them. <laughs> you know, but he was a nice guy, man. He was a great guy. You know, he's a Democrat, running as a Democrat, but – you got a lot of great things to say, and I'll say a lot of the Republicans. I ran on a Republican platform. Where are those Republicans at? They won't even come on my podcast. They're scared of the Republic. I think they're scared of the Republic, to be honest with you. You know, I've got contacted the sheriff, my local sheriff, and he won't even come on here. Oh, I can't come on there. I don't know. You know, come on. Well, hey, you ain't with the Republic then. You know, Sheriff Mack, they get scared of Sheriff Mack. They hear Sheriff Mack's name, and they run away. Why is that? <laughs> you know, what, what, what's up with that? You know, Why? Because he's a constitutionalist? He believes in the Constitution? I mean, what's so wrong about the Constitution, yeah, They associate him too much with Sheriff Apayo, because him and Sheriff Apayo yep. have a lot of the same. Hey, sorry you took the words out of my mouth, man. I was going to say it, Apayo. I was going to say it, and you did it for me. That's why I love him so yeah. much, Sarge. He just, like, says what, I, what I'm not going to say. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Sure. We got a good sheriff. Would you allow? Would he allow the FBI to come walking up into his county, going knocking on his residence doors? Locked out without checking in with him. And also, That's when they check question. in with him, they should deposit their guns there with the sheriff. You got enough guns That's in the right. community. And the sheriff <laughs> should a cop in the FBI. When I was a state policeman in Illinois, if I was going to take somebody out of the county, I had to first go before a county judge. If I made an arrest in a county in Illinois, before I could remove them from the county, they had to go before a county judge. Yeah, now, they got to be that, able to read the affidavit. Was that a bothersome for you, sir? And, and I worked. I was work for the state, but so you make an arrest in another in a county, and it's not the same county that you make the arrest. I mean, that you're coming out of. You got to go for the county judge and take him out of the county. That's a good thing. I mean, that's that's the due process, right? I mean, the process of what I, I don't well, think anybody arrested for something nonviolent, but federalism even at the state level. That's yeah. what it is. Yeah, yeah. Well, you yeah. know, I don't know if you guys though, know even that. Even though, you know, the state is the ultimate. Uh, look, the state, all governmental entities in any state get their authority from the state and the state constitution. But once the state establishes these uh, 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 other entities within the state, they pretty much are free to govern themselves until, when, and if they're dissolved by action of the state legislature. And the idea is you're supposed to respect that. So how does this coincide with the Republic, Jim, or if Jim's still out there? You know, look, we had Joe on here. I don't know if he's still on here or not. You know, we had that big conversation about solving the world's problems the other night with the Republic, you know, re-inhabiting the Republic. And, uh, you know, look, there was a lot of disagreement about a lot of things, too. You know, look, you know, with the Republic, the Republic, you know, you know, where do you get – but in a way, we kind of got to put that aside, and we got we got to come up with a plan here locally – and I think if anything goes down nationally, that where it collapses, the economy collapses or whatnot, it's going to be our local politics that really take a foothold and stronghold. And you're going to have a lot of bad seeds and bad cities and bad towns out there that could grow as an infection across the country. Because I don't think any foreign invader is going to come in and conquer America. But where where do we stand as locally in governing ourselves? You know, do we need a government yeah, in a way sometimes? I know you got John Doe. Remember, he was on there a couple of times. Sorry, uh, John Doe, he debates with me. I was, you know, let's go out and educate people self-govern. Well, people can't self-govern all the time, you know. But So what do we do? What do we do? What's the answer? People. 
people you know, learn, and you get to church people. people. Learn, Go ahead. People learn by example, Joe. And it's up for the people on this podcast or that are listening to learn how to operate the government because we certainly haven't been taught. And the way this was formed was by committee and consensus of the people, a grassroots opportunity to get involved, and it still is. And so, but Jim, what happens when they snatch you up, Jim? What happens if they snatch up Mr. Singer? What happens if they snatch up the other Joe? What happens if they isolate us like Sarge was talking about so many shows ago? What happens if they come flashbang my house? Where's our republic then? You know, because who takes care of my children? I'm making a sacrifice right now to stand up and fight for liberty and freedom. Who takes care of my children when I'm sitting in a concrete box? Just standing up for liberty or Beyonce or whatever, you know? I've been emphasizing, though, Joe, the fact that lone wolves are isolated, cut off, and easily destroyed. That's the problem. Look, the American Revolution really started at the end of the French and Indian War. That's when it started. And when Great Britain started coming down with all these repressive taxations and dissolving the local assemblies that had developed organically in the colonies, and the, and the, and the colonists began to feel tyranny. And they began to form associations within the colonies. And they began to form the colonial militias. And, they, and they, it took years from 1763 to 1776. How long is that? That's 13 years. Meantime, yeah. they're up there looking at what's going on with the Stamp Act and the Intolerable Acts and shutting down Boston and occupying Boston and all this other stuff. And even after they tried to make an olive branch petition, to the king, and the king rebuffed them. They said, enough is enough. we got to get ready to fight. But they didn't do it as lone wolves. They formed themselves into a continental congress. See, we got people well, you out know there one thing. do things in rogue actions and on their own. That's never going to work. It's never going to work. You're going to be isolated. You're going to be annihilated. Yeah, this person well, in the chat room is correct. You already set up for your children. You're right. If you ahead, teach sorry, your children this stuff, uh, so that's where it has to begin. You got to teach your kids this. Your kids shouldn't be able to graduate from high school without being able to take a constitutional test showing that they know know it. You know, Bianchi, the I history, watched that episode. I watched that, uh, hang on, the Sons of Liberty, Bianchi. I watched that episode that, 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 that I always play some of their intros. I played it on Tonight Show. And I remember John Adams or whatever, you know, or Jefferson, you know, and he's like, yeah, I'm here to teach my, you know, I teach my children the arts of war so their children can learn mathematics and their children can learn how to live and be a family and be, you know, and have mm-hmm. a good time. You know what I mean? And the cycle continues on and on. And you're right that you teach your children the proper ways of life, you know, you pass it on down the generation, and families don't do that anymore because families are broken up by design because of the system, and the system is designed to destroy the American family, so therefore we got nobody now to carry on that torch. Absolutely, and, you know, absolutely. You know, That's why you see the type of behavior that you had. You know, you got Garland yeah. saying that he supports policing. Well, what the hell is going on during the riots when police officers were being attacked, having frozen water bottles thrown at them like missiles? Where was he at then? Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. No, where was he when you had Kamala Harris talking about that the rioters will not stop and they should not stop, and we want them to continue rioting, and we're going to bail them out if they do. And she wasn't the only one. There were dozens and dozens and dozens of Democrats talking like that. 
That's right. And then well, another another problem. Problem. We had Derek Crack come on tonight. That was pretty, pretty. Uh, you know, had some good words of wisdom there. But uh, hey, closing thoughts because we're down to the last ten here. So I'll start with Jim. Jim, you go first. Then Mr. Singer, if he's still on here, and then uh, Sarge and Bianca. Go yeah. ahead. Closing thoughts, at least to what you heard so far. Go ahead. Well, the Jim? reason that Mr. Singer's with us tonight is because of his efforts towards forming a um, militia for the people. And he has some websites like and that. opportunities there. And I, I met him today. I reached out to him, and we got to comparing notes. And, and he found what I brought to the table very interesting enough to give a careful consideration. And that's all I ask of anybody uh, in my conversations with him. And so I appreciate it. But, Jim, his, uh, Jim, 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 let me cut you off here. Hang on, because I got – Jim, I got a couple militia on now, actually, from uh, Three Percenters, actually, and a couple people from Indiana. Uh, okay, you're forming the militia. But what authority will the militia ha- have or hold if, you know, because you, you can't, I mean, we're, by no means, we're not advocating violence, folks, uh, in case there are three-letter uh, three guys who are out there not advocating violence. But what authority will the militia have, though, in the end? You form the, the militia, what are well, they going to do? They're going to isolate that group, the though. authority come in the Constitution, yeah. Jill. Jill. Well, yeah, it's easy to explain. I mean, it's, it's right there in the wording of the Second Amendment, folks. I mean, it says a well-regulated militia that is necessary to security of every state. The authority of the state starts with the state's governor. If you're answerable directly to the state governor, you are a Second Amendment militia. Now, that doesn't mean people can't form their associations, because you've got a right to free association under the First Amendment. You've got a right to bear arms. You can get together with any group of people who have an association. You can practice marksmanship. You can practice tactics. You can yeah, say that to Barry Cross and the other guys out there that are still fighting a trial. But in order to be a you Second know? Amendment militia, you've got to answer to the governor so you can be part of the security of the free state. That's a Second Amendment uh, militia. And, right, and that doesn't mean that you're part of the Mr. National Guard. Let Mr. Singer, Mr. Singer's on yep. here. Let him talk about his group and what he's forming and, and, and put the word out there and how we can contact him or how people in his area can we can unify peacefully and law-abiding, lawfully. I want to put that out there for the three-letter guys that are out there that are listening. Uh, uh, what can we do here, Mr. Singer? Yeah, so let me say that militiausa.org actually is a domain name that points and forwards to the URL, RighteousArmy.org. So if a person types in MilitiaUSA.org, they should have no problem getting to Righteous Army, but I've had people tell me that their ISP blocked MilitiaUSA and it didn't take them to the site. It just said 404 era. So if you have a problem going to MilitiaUSA.org, simply type in RighteousArmy.org and you'll get there. And the point is ultimately this. The bottom line is, the, the militia existed even before the Constitution. The militia is a God-given, inalienable, unalienable right of self-protection and protecting our rights by way of God. So it, the, to the extent, in fact, just yesterday we did our militia, national militia meeting number 16, and we had a 20-year Army veteran, Green Beret, 14-year special services um, Green Beret on, who also worked 10 years uh, with the police department. So we were discussing the issues, and we all concurred that the people, we, the bottom line is we the people are the militia. Going to the point about the governor, what if the governor is a communist who has infiltrated and taken hold of the state? Then do we let the governor determine the militia? Absolutely not. It makes no sense whatsoever. The power is inherent within the people. 
we govern ourselves, and we govern and we orchestrate the militia. The question will then become, who's going to call the shots for the militia? Ultimately, this is why the effort I've been putting forth is to, the best way I can say it, the way I describe it to people, is imagine, all right, here's an imaginative exercise. Imagine if 20, 30 years ago, on to today, all the people that, were, that served in the United States military, the warriors, especially Navy SEALs and Green Beret and Army Rangers, imagine if when they got out after serving their 5, their 10, their 15, their 20, they kind of scratched their head and they said to themselves, man, I really learned a lot. Man, I, I gained some great skills and, and some excellent you know, insights. Man, what, what, if, what if our government ever goes rogue? What if our government ever goes off the rails? What if communists hijack our government? What if we get invaded? Man, come to think of it, I'm going to exercise all I've learned, and I'm going to open the militia office in my county, and I'm going to start training gun safety, having some get-togethers at the range, having monthly meetings on gun safety training, invite the families out, having monthly meetings on the laws and U.S. codes and the Constitution and what the militia is. And, and imagine if after all this time, now at the end of a year, every county is having a militia barbecue where there's 10,000 people wearing a shirt that says Second Amendment. I am militia, or Second Amendment, we the people are the militia, we call the shots, right, which, by the way, are some shirts I created that I put on the website, and if, if a person wants to make their own shirt, that's fine, but everybody should have a shirt that says I am militia because we the people are the militia. So my effort there, I had to be very careful because I was making it crystal clear. Everything we're doing is lawful and it's peaceful, and it's open and transparent, which is our best defense. Because a lot of people have the wrong idea of the militia being a bunch of backwoods good old boys in their camis that are getting ready to commit acts of sedition and insurrection. And those are psyops, by the way. For two, they're twofold psyops. Number one, make the people think the militia are going to take care of it. How many people have been saying over the last year since the rigged election, um, Gee, where's the militia, man? Where, oh, don't worry, man. They're in the backwoods. They're going to take care of it. No, that's a psyop, just like Q was a deep state psyop, to entertain the patriots, pacify them, and keep them at bay so that they don't take matters into their own hands. That's what's been going on. And the only way to fully understand all of it and all of the problems we have is to understand, know thy enemy. Know who's behind the new world order, one world government agenda. Yeah, but, but, but hang on, Mr. Singer. But a lot of people are going to say, a lot of people say the enemy is, and we've had him on here, and Jim knows what I'm talking about now because I got a large following here, and a lot of people don't agree with him. But we get the uh, NSM on here. They say the Jew is the problem. The Jew. Well, what what say you on that? So. Right, so I've done a great job. If you, if you watch the videos that we've done so far, we're only on meeting 16. I've done a, a very careful job of peeling the, the layers of the onion away on those psyops of anti-Semitism, racism, homosexuality, all to intimidate and shame people and to quiet them so they don't speak out against the New World Government. So I'm always caught, instructing or encouraging those that are of that mindset we obviously can't just – we're shooting ourselves in the foot if we say the Jews. That's what they want. That's why I tell people all the time, if you see on mainstream media, if you see CNN go with one of their anchors out into Hickety Hicksville, South Carolina, or North Carolina, and the, the cameraman's out there, we're here in Hickety Hicksville with the Klan, and we're here, and you see a bunch <laughs> of guys in white sheets and hoods with tattoos and missing teeth, and they get speakers, and they're saying, we hate niggers, and we hate 
Jews, those are crises actors specifically put out there to make people say, holy shit, I don't want to be associated with those people, right? And now you're never going to speak out against a Jew. Look what they've done. They've exploited the black race deliberately. They've taken blacks and exploited them, putting gold teeth in their mouth and bling and tattoos all over their body and drugs in one hand and a gun in the other hand and literally spewing out lyrics like, I'm a nigga, motherfucker. I fuck white ass. I killed him, cops, and I smoked that grass. That's the kind of crap that has perverted our society for the last 20 to 30 years. It's all psyop. It's all intended to, to weaken and destroy. That's come straight from the Communist Manifesto. Demoralize the nation. They've done everything they can to demoralize people, stupefy them, and dumb them down. Turn off your televisions. Be mindful if you're watching a movie. They're using Hollywood. They're using the music industry. They're using music videos. They're using gaming where little children can now play games where they can act the part of a drive-by shooter in a park. It's pathetic. They're stupefying humanity. They're godless. These world communists are godless. And, yes, we can start narrowing it down by saying the Khazarians, the Zionist Jews. The point is... Anybody that just says the Jews in general is falling into their psyop. Because my neighbor, I'm looking at his house right now. He just pulled into my parking lot. He comes over my house two or three times a week to eat dinner and watch movies. He mows our, our yard. We go for bike rides together. He's 70 years old. He's a great guy. My best friend from high school is Jewish. He's a great drummer. I always wanted to play in a band with him. The attorney that got And so you know something? You're right. You're a singer. You're a singer. And you're absolutely correct. You want to go to true history? Sorry, I broke it down so many times when I used to uh, podcast on the website over there on the NSM. You know, look how many people were in the SS that were even Jewish. You know, I mean, so you know, the, right. you know, right. so let's look at true history. You know what I mean? You know, so and the way you know, make the point, and I like to make this. Look, I'm not trying to be contradictory when I say what I'm about to say. Mr. Singer is speaking of what he and others who think the way he does have an absolute right to do, that is to associate themselves in an organization that is analogous and the same as a militia, a mutual self-defense of citizens organized for military purposes. So essentially, yes, what Mr. Singer is speaking of is indeed a militia. It is as valid as any other. I want to make that clear. But when, I, when I'm speaking of a militia, in the terms of the Second Amendment, because I do know militias obviously preceded the Constitution, but I'm talking about a Second Amendment militia in the meaning of the Second Amendment of the United States Constitution, which would mean that it would be answerable to a governor for the state's security purposes. Now, you have no responsibility. In fact, you should not align yourself with a treasonous governor. If a governor is denying your rights as a people and he's not looking to the security of a free state. He's not ensuring a free state. He is in line with globalists who want to take away our rights and destroy the Constitution. Obviously, you know no such allegiance to such a fellow. But what, what I'm speaking of is those governors that do, and those governors that do maintain a militia to, to, to um, maintain the security of a free state. And there are some. After all, I think Ron DeSantis is one of the finest examples of that. And there are, and there are many others, many others, particularly in the western, midwestern, and uh, southwestern states. So there are governors out there who are not going to be traitors, to whom you can reliably give your allegiance to should it come to that. But it doesn't mean that you have to. 
I'm just saying right. what and is a Second this. Amendment constitutional militia that is what, what, what the framers of the Constitution meant. And that doesn't mean right. other right. types of militias are not valid. Well, it's true. The, 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 the legislatures have to, the legislatures have to keep that governor in line. I'm getting ready to leave. But what the gentleman said is absolutely right. The militia is the people. And what the people figure that they need in order to protect themselves and also to maintain uh, their liberty, whatever caliber, whatever size, cannons, a pit bull, a poodle, slingshots, if that's what they figure they need, they, being the militia, not the National Guard, has the right and liberty to do so. That's right. That's right. And, yeah, Mr. Singer, go ahead. And, and if I can minute, add, the, the, the example... The example of the communist government is just one example, or the com- communist governor. This is much deeper than that. In fact, I've read several state constitutions. Florida has probably the best, because the number one thing on the Florida constitution says every able-bodied person is a militia, period. That's number one. However, exactly. if you go to, like, say, the Arizona um, or the Oregon, particularly Arizona, it says any group of people who organize as an armed militia are committing a five-class felony. That's bullshit. That's because over the years, these communist infiltrators that have hijacked our government have been paying off politicians to tweak words and tweak verbiage and drip, 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 drip into their statutes verbiage that will deter the buildup of a militia. They've done that on purpose to try to protect their own future ambitions. The reality is we're going to be challenging that as well. What needs to happen, just like we know the Supreme Court supposedly within the last couple months came out with a favorable ruling regarding the Second Amendment. They could have done better than they did, but they did come out with what was considered a favorable ruling. Ultimately, and I'm not saying that they're going to do it, I'm saying they should, the Supreme Court of the United States needs to come out with a ruling that says, we hereby unanimously find that the government, neither federal nor state, has any to do or say with regards to the establishment or organization of a militia. That is inherent upon the people. The people will organize themselves. They will determine their leaders and their commanders. They organize their own militia because that is the only way to have a legitimate militia that can be in place to do what the Declaration of Independence says, which is it is the right and duty of the people to abolish any government that is destructive of these ends, meaning our peace, our safety, jab, 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 our happiness, and our rights, our God-given inalienable rights under law. And that's just one last thing. All these laws we hear about, the Constitution, the Federal Civil Rights, the Bill of you know, Rights, the, the U.S. Codes, those things weren't put in place to give us our rights. Those things were put in place to protect, protect our God-given inalienable or unalienable rights. We have inherent rights, and they're, they've twisted everything upside down. It's we the people are on top, our local our local government is next with a constitutional sheriff that should protect our rights. Then there's the state and the constitutional governor, and then the feds are down on the blow with the least amount of involvement in our lives. They have flipped right, it like upside that. down where the government is right. the big bad tyrant that tells the states what to do, and the states tell the local municipals what to do, and the local municipals run all the people like a bunch of scared sheeple, which is what they've been doing. It needs to be turned around. Right. Everything, is on, everything is on righteousarmy.org. MilitiaUSA.org should point to that website. We've articulated everything. We just had our our meeting 16 last night. This Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern time, we'll be having our meeting 17, National Militia Meeting 17, this Sunday at 7 p.m. The the Zoom meeting ID is on the website. 
Well, hey, that's the institution that you spoke of that would disallow you to associate with others and form what is essentially a citizen's militia. Any constitution that would disallow such a thing would be negated by the First and Second Amendment, which are inalienable rights you had before they even wrote the Constitution. So such a Constitution Amen. would be illegitimate unless, of course, with one caveat, and only one caveat, if you were to assume certain official duties of the state to which you had not been authorized to do. If you, Other well, than that, they have no right to disallow... Uh, anything you do That's with right. regard to association, formation, hey. organization, training, drilling, anything. Such a constitution is invalid. And I'm certain we gotta have a show. We've got to have a show. We've got to have a podcast. We've got to have a podcast. We've got to have a podcast. Can, I, can I say well, one more like, thing, Mr. Gibson? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Real quick, real quick, because I've got, got real a quick, here for time. Go ahead. Lawful and peaceful until forced to be lawfully violent. That's a good thing. Go. Talk to you guys later. There you go. We gotta have a show. We gotta have a podcast show with Mr. Singer only on here, and, and have him come on. I'll bring. I'll invite and, on and my friends for, from the militia. Record, also. Just for the record, so nobody, just for the record, so nobody thinks I stole that from him. When they go to my website later and they see that on my website, he he just got that off my website. <laughs> if you go to my website now, you'll see that. I love you guys, man. Hey, 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 one thing for sure. Listen. Listen, I'll say one thing for sure. See, we had all kinds on here on this podcast here tonight, and that's what America reflects, and we can do this. We can do this together. We can do it lawfully, and we can do it peacefully. Really, we got to. That's right. Right on. All right, James, I'm going, buddy. James, I'm going. You have done amazing. That's me, buddy.
Well, the Trump is at, right? That's what I've been hearing. We've been here the whole time. We don't need a safe space. We don't burn down our cities. We don't riot when things don't go our way. God save the Republic. Our fathers appealed to heaven. What did heaven do? Heaven heard. Heaven heard. Our fathers said they would treat all men equal. When they did not, heaven saw. Heaven saw. Our fathers fought each other and paid a great price. Father Abe kept the Union, but not the Republic. We forgot the Republic and placed our trust in man and suffer oppression. We appealed to heaven. What did heaven do? Heaven heard. Heaven heard. God save the Republic.